Welcome to Terrible, the podcast where two friends discuss true crime stories in hopes to prepare themselves for life's most terrible things. Quick disclaimer, the following podcast will include graphic and explicit content. Our goal is to respect victims and their families. We do not want to sensationalize crimes or glorify criminals. We want to tell these stories in order to learn from them and make sure victims and their families are not forgotten. I'm Renee, a longtime true crime enthusiast who has spent years listening to countless cases. Marie, on the other hand, has recently delved into true crime after being recommended a case on a YouTube channel. We both believe once you watch or listen to your first true crime case, there is no going back. So let's do this. So December 6th, 2009, the police get a 911 call from the home of Donna Jones and Mark Hutt, a couple that live in the West End of Ottawa. When entering, the first responders immediately notice how cold the house is because the windows are open. The average temperature during the month of December was about minus six degrees. As it is in Ottawa, it gets pretty cold. Yeah, it does. Very rarely do people have their, their windows open like that. Okay, so they head down to the basement where they find Donna's burned, lifeless body on a mattress. So obviously they're getting they're right into it. What's going on? Yeah, yeah okay. I know. I feel like okay. I first episode, first case. I didn't want to scare you. Um, so obviously first responders are wondering what's happened. Um, this is not kind of a regular, a regular thing to show up at a 911 call. It's very distressing. Um, so Mark tells the first responders that Donna was alive just three hours before the 911 call. Why did we wait so long, first of all? But okay. Right. There are so many questions coming your way because yeah. it, none of this makes sense. No. So he tells them that his wife had been drinking and had fallen into a fire pit. Okay. We're both cottage people. We've been around <laughs> fire drinks in the summertime. Yeah. I have never seen anything like this ever happen, happen. even close to happening. Drinks right? or not, you won't fall into a fire pit. No, no, it's uh, that'd be a very rare and strange situation. So he assures them that he encouraged her to go to the hospital and to seek medical attention. In fact, he begged her to go, but she refused. The only thing that came to my head was thinking of, and this is very superficial, but like getting a curler or a straightener right. burn on your hand right. when you're doing your hair yeah, or even when you're cooking, right? Like an mm -hmm. oil splash or something. Yeah. And that burn is so irritatingly painful. And for very long periods of time too, like a whole day, even just your, your hand being burned, it hurts for the entire day. I can't imagine falling into a fire pit and not wanting to go see a doctor. Like, there's no way. There's no way. Okay, so we agree. This is all very strange. Uh, doesn't make much sense. Um, so let's pause here for a second. We'll go back and I'll tell you a bit more about Donna. So Donna Jones was born December 25th, 1975. Um, and from what I can find, uh, she grew up in Ottawa and is one of three kids. Okay. It's reported in a couple of different uh, articles that she had kind of a difficult relationship with her father who would belittle her and said things to her like women should honor their husbands, which is a kind of interesting choice of choice yeah. of words. Um, so she graduated from Carleton University, so one of the two universities mm -hmm. in the town of Ottawa. Um, and like many people living in Ottawa, she worked a civil service job. Ottawa is full of that, so I'm not even surprised there. Um, so she had many friends and seemed to have a really good relationship with her coworkers. 
Okay. Donna met Mark, her future husband or her husband to be, uh, when she was 30. Jennifer Jones is Donna's sister, and uh, she said that she believes her sister met Hutt, which is Mark's last name, so that's how he'll be referred in a lot of the articles, at a vulnerable time. Donna had just moved out on her own and was worried about paying her mortgage, but she was she was good with money. She had paid off her student loans and saved money for a down payment on a house. So very responsible at 30. Yeah, I agree. Saved in Mm -hmm. and having having still some money in savings for a down payment, things like that. um, It it's unfortunate that it says that it's during a vulnerable time as well, because I mean, we can just know that people can be taken advantage of really easily when they're in a vulnerable time. So that's yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, it gets so much worse. (laughs) So the couple makes plans to get married. So they start dating. Um, I'm not sure things seem good right off the bat, but I guess good enough that they feel that they're a good match. So they do plan to get married. Um, friends actually get together and ask her to call off the wedding. So friends oh. and family are are concerned, um, mm-hmm. which is is kind of interesting because in, in domestic abuse situations, it's not always not that it was obvious, um, but it's not always so obvious in the sense that that people are are really kind of putting themselves out there and asking her to call off a wedding. Right. Like a lot of time, it's more um, the victim trying to hide it. Mm-hmm. So it's not as a parent, but that's a huge red flag that a lot of people were telling her to call her wedding off. That's that's really bad. Yeah. And I think it I think it she was trying to hide it. But I, I just think that these friends and mm-hmm. family had they had something telling them yeah. this is not right. A gut feeling um, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So it seems that early in the relationship, her loved ones had seen signs of abuse and were worried about Donna. Some reports say that friends had seen Mark get angry with Donna and noticed that she would drop everything she was doing to please him. So kind of some classic signs mm-hmm. of, of domestic abuse there. But against her family's wishes, she decided to go ahead with the wedding. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. So the couple went ahead and got married in 2007. Unfortunately, coworkers began noticing injuries on Donna, injuries that she tried to cover up and minimize. Things seemed to be escalating and friends and family continued to worry. Mark was heard saying things like, you better be effing home tonight, Donna Jones. If you're not here, I'll kill you, your friends and myself. Oh, that's a hard threat. Yeah, very... I mean, very obviously physically abusive, but emotionally yeah. abusive. Especially here. throwing in the I'll kill you, but also your family and myself. Like that's a lot in just one sentence right there. Yeah, I can't imagine how she felt hearing. I mean, I'm sure this was just one of the. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's not her first time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So friends tried to help, but Donna made excuses for Mark telling them it wasn't as bad as they thought, which is, is very, I mean, common for victims. Um, that emotional manipulation is just is something that is just holds such a strong, strong tie on them. And it's very hard to see outside of the situation. Donna refused help. Her brother Derek shared an article from the Ottawa Citizen. He said trying to get his sister to admit the abuse was like dealing with a drug addict. So it was it was really wow. very hard and, and family and friends were really trying and, and could see it, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I can't imagine as family members. No, because the fact that they've probably tried countless times and like like he says, similar to a drug addict, you know, you can't 
sometimes you can't do much for them. You know, they have to help themselves before you can help them or at least be honest with you about it. But that's a tough spot for her family to be in as well. Another quote from that same article said, by the time she died, she was on the verge of bankruptcy. The result of years of financial abuse at the hands of a man who only worked briefly as a roofer. The more Donna gave, the more he took. So we're adding mm. in financial abuse here. So it's just all around right. garbage so the, human being. Yeah. So he probably took advantage of the money that she did have saved up, didn't work often, and just use that as part of the abuse as well like you said financial abuse as well which being financially not well is very hard to deal with so on top of you know emotional abuse physical abuse and it was it was documented or it was written often that he would spend money on kind of useless toys like things Mm. that he didn't actually really need so yeah these things kind of laid around the house and i'm sure she had to look at them every day and think this is where my hard earned money is going and yeah i have no control Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So now let's go back to Mark's story about Donna falling in the fire pit and refusing to seek out medical yeah. attention. So um, an autopsy was done on Donna's body and forensic evidence indicated that she was dead 12 hours before the 911 call was placed. Oh, so 12 yes. hours. Okay. Not three, 12. Got it. Exactly. Even so worse. He had said, yeah. So he had yeah. said three hours when right. first responded showed up. Yeah. I, I would, I mean, I've never been around someone who's passed, but I would assume that you would know the difference between if someone had passed three yes. or 12 With hours ago. that much of a gap, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then upon further questioning, Mark told the investigators that Donna's burns were not from falling onto a fire pit. He continues by telling them the following story. So I'm actually going to let you read the following quotes. So this is exactly okay. kind of what he said during the interrogation. Okay. Um, um, and as I'm reading this, like Renee said, this is my first time reading this story. So I'm kind of nervous for what I'm about to say. Okay. So two weeks ago, my wife has never spoken to me the way she spoke to me two weeks ago. She basically told me that she was going to go with somebody else that I wasn't, I wasn't going to be a father. Later, he said, I was boiling water for the noodles and she came up behind me and she just said something about this isn't working. This isn't happening. And I'm going to cheat on you basically. Like I'm going to, if things don't work out, I'm going, she just kept saying it and putting it in my head, putting it in my head and putting it in my head. Okay. So he's just saying that she was saying that she's going to cheat on him. Yeah, he's like okay. setting up this story right. where she's like, you know, instigating him. Yeah. She's this woman who yeah. was going to cheat on him. Putting and out some victim. sort of narrative. Yeah, yes. that he's the yeah. victim that, of. That, yeah. Yeah, that she, exactly. was, that she was verbally abusing him in the relationship and it wasn't the other way around kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's probably trying, you know, the, I'm sure he's aware that there are friends and family that have some concern mm-hmm. or you know, are kind of aware of what type of person he is. And yeah. he's trying to very much formulate a narrative where he's the victim in this situation. Oof. Okay. So he then tells investigators that he hit a pot in anger that he was using to cook the spaghetti that she loved to death for supper, not realizing that she was behind him. So that's an interesting way to say that. He was cooking mm-hmm. her spaghetti, basically her, her favorite meal. And he says the meal that she loved to death. Yeah. Is the words he uses. Oh my god. Okay. Like I feel like that's a little yeah. slip. I don't know. That's a very strange way of saying that. Um, 
Oh my yeah, gosh. Just okay. very, very telling. I feel, I, I don't know what that is. I'm not an expert in language oh my God. When or anything. You, when, but yeah. Weird. When you read into it like that, that's kind of really gross thinking of yeah. it that way, but I could definitely see how it could be perceived that way for sure. So he's basically admitting here that he's cooking dinner. Yeah. Uh, spaghetti. So obviously you're boiling your water to put mm-hmm. your pasta in and she's so he says she's antagonizing him telling mm-hmm. him she's gonna leave him and cheat on him and he hits a pot out of anger and he's basically saying that the boiling hot water spilt was then thrown all over or her. spilt all over donna ouch oh yeah so that, mm, ouch that that sounds really bad. So Mark said his wife fought kicking and screaming to avoid the hospital, which is just kind of an impossible thing to believe. Yeah, like, especially if it wasn't intentional, like her doing it intentionally to herself. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like that's right. So like it's not out of like hiding embarrassment or something. Exactly. Like, yeah. Right. Like if it yeah. was an accident that he hit the pot of boiling water or whatever then there shouldn't be anything stopping her from going to the hospital right i think we can agree that she might have been trying to cover if for him yeah Mm -hmm. if there was a slightest bit of avoiding the hospital it was probably her trying to protect him yeah um but then again we don't know Mm -hmm. well probably never know so it's just uh hard to believe yeah and um so the 911 call was placed actually 11 days after this incident so if you can imagine she was sitting there in pain for 11 days before he actually called the police which is 12 hours after she passed 11 days yeah ouch like the amount of pain this woman must have been in Oh my gosh, yeah. So the autopsy also revealed that 20... Oh, I have to give a bit of a trigger warning. I feel like this is going to be kind of not a sum, but some of the abuse that she's endured that was able to be seen through the autopsy. So a bit of a trigger warning. We're going to go over this. I think it's important for us to to recognize all the difficult things she had to go through. Um, So we'll cover this quickly. But the autopsy also revealed that 29 pellets from an air rifle were found in Donna's skin. Pathologists testified at the trial that it must have been fired from a short distance for the pellets to have entered her skin, and this had started causing signs of lead poisoning. So basically what I'm saying here is that Mark was using an air rifle at close range to shoot Donna. So this is just torture at this point. Absolutely. Wow, that is torture. And how one human can do that to another. Like, I know awful things happen. All I mean, terrible 20, podcasts. 29. I know terrible things happen. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. 29 especially. Yeah. Like, just one yeah. after the other. Like, that's a lot. That is a lot. From a short distance, too. That must be even worse. Yeah, and they believe that some were fired before the burns, but that some were mm. fired after. So before and after, she's in this immense amount of pain. Wow. She that's a lot going on. Yes. She had nine fractured ribs, a broken nose, two black eyes, many cuts on her skin, and she had bruises and scrapes over her entire body. So I'm sure when the first responders showed up Mm -hmm. at this house, they were just like they're like red flags. Uh, flags (laughs) A million red flags. That's a lot going on. Especially for the first responders. 
not necessarily maybe knowing, you know, walking in there without the entire story right off hand, um, they probably were very shocked to see what they found. Yeah, to me, it feels like almost like a prisoner in the basement that's been Mm -hmm. tortured for the, I mean, for for years, it seems like, but especially for the past 11 days. Yeah, and especially because it's, she was living with her husband and her husband was doing this to her. It's not like anyone... I mean, her family maybe knew a little bit of abuse that was going on, but I'm sure they never would have, have imagined to what extent um, now knowing this, that it would be this this cruel. Yeah, of course not. And oh, to read this back or to know the details mm-hmm. now must be awful. Yeah. Okay. So her body had obviously shown signs of long-term abuse. In the end, Donna's cause of death was septic shock. So I had to look this up because I wasn't exactly sure what this meant. Mm -hmm. So here's a quick definition. So septic shock is a life-threatening condition that happens when your blood pressure drops to a dangerously low level after an infection. Mm -hmm. So So yeah, so she probably got an infection from, well, all the... um, I mean, you name it, right? (laughs) Yeah, the the ammunition, the the, The burns. burns. especially like all that time in between just all that time with no medical attention that's just asking for severe severe infections to start and honestly that that makes sense that she passed away from septic shock so mark told investigators that he had had a really bad childhood and used this as an excuse for his anger problems so um an excuse a full excuse and we're not going to talk about him because we don't want to it's not this is not about him so Mm -hmm. we're not going to go into any of his background um a lot of people have really terrible childhoods or or go through very difficult things and they don't inflict this kind of pain on other people so Mm -hmm. we're just gonna ignore and skip past that comment yeah okay and then according to joel fish who's a medical examiner uh sorry a medical director of the burn unit of the children's hospital in toronto He testified at the trial and what he said is that if she would have received proper treatment, Donna virtually would have had a hundred percent chance of survival. So the actual burn wounds that she, Mm -hmm. she suffered were, were not going to kill her. Although I'm sure very painful, as we've said, they were not going to be kind of the cause of death is only the burn. Right. Since she passed away from, yeah, from an infection. Um, getting to the hospital as quick as she could could have helped infection not even start in the first place. So that's that's really exactly. unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. So it's really just the fact that she didn't seek any medical, or I'm not going to say that she didn't seek, mm-hmm. but that she wasn't she, able she to didn't have yeah. medical attention. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, we're talking a bit about the trial, uh, but Mark pleaded guilty to the lesser charge of criminal negligence causing death. So. I think basically the angle here was just him trying to say that because he didn't force her to go to the hospital, mm-hmm. this caused her death. So criminal negligence right. causing death. Right. The Crown rejected, thankfully, his plea and argued that he was guilty of first degree murder. Thankfully, again, okay. because victims mm-hmm. of domestic violence do not always get um, do mm-hmm. not always get justice, and I feel like I feel like in this case they really they really went for it. Yeah, they were well, like, "There's no way." Exactly, and especially her body that was found when the first responders entered their home, the condition her body was in. I think there's so many, like you said, red flags that are just just show that a more severe penalty is was needed. Yeah, definitely. 
So after after the whole trial and all the witnesses and and you know all the testimonies, a jury took less than a day to deliberate. And on June seventh, twenty thirteen, Mark was found guilty of first degree murder. So he got the sentence of life in prison with no chance of parole for twenty five years, which is the maximum penalty in Canada. I don't know if you knew that, but that's kind of the max that someone. Can I'm get starting. In I'm starting to know these these different laws and <laughs> rules now that I'm into true crime. Um, but that's wow. Yeah. No chance of parole. Good. Um, life in prison. Mm -hmm. Good. That's, that's exactly what I mean, what he deserved from at least reading and, and knowing about this case. Now it's, that's really sad for, for Donna. Yeah. And I'm glad her family got some, some type of justice here. Obviously it's exactly. never going to, you know, make anything better, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that he, he, you know, they didn't go with the criminal negligence causing exactly. death kind of BS. Yeah. But yeah. they, they really went for the first degree murder, which, which it was, right? And it, yeah. you know, I'm sure you could have added on, I mean, not a <laughs> yeah. lawyer, but what about all the stuff before? Exactly. You know? Yeah. There's more than just her death um, included yeah. in this in this case. So we thought it was important to give a bit more information about intimate partner violence. Um, so this is directly from the RCMP's government website. An intimate partner is a person with whom someone has or had a close personal relationship. The relationship could be characterized, for example, by an emotional connection or ongoing physical contact or sexual behavior. The harm is often a result of a person looking to gain or assert power or control over their partners. It threatens the safety and security of the partner and can take many forms. Some we've talked about today, but I'll list off some examples. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse and neglect uh, we also thought it was really important to to go over some of the warning signs um this probably isn't going to cover everything but you know our goal or goal, our goal like we said earlier is to to tell these stories but also in hopes to kind of contribute to to having these maybe not happen as often so here are some warning signs a relationship may be abusive if one partner has unexplained bruises or questionable explanations for injuries acts differently when their partner is around seems to be controlled by their partner and seems reluctant to make decisions for themselves, withdraws from friends and family, is pressured to have their online activity monitored by their partner. I feel like that's a big one nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, just because you're in a relationship, I think doesn't mean that your, your partner should have, you know, all your passwords, control over everything that you do, control over whose social media you're looking, you know, it just no. be, be aware of kind of those things. Yeah. You're both independent people and you're both able to have your separate lives and then come back at the end of the day and still be in a relationship. It doesn't mean that you have to have control over someone else and everything that they do online. Um, so experiences a drop in school or work performance is humiliated or criticized by their partner in front of others, or is frequently contacted by their partner wanting to know where they are and when they're going to come home. So after every case, our goal is to donate to a charity that's relevant to the case we discussed. That being said, this week we will be donating to the Interval House of Ottawa, an organization that provides emergency shelter for women and their children fleeing abuse and offer crisis inter intervention as well as other services for those in need. Pictures for this case will be posted on our Instagram, so please follow us at Terrible True Crime. And if you enjoyed the show today, please subscribe and leave us a review below. Thank you for joining us. And see you next time.